Friends, before we get started, I wanted to highlight one thing. This is Isaac Adams, one of the hosts of United We Pray. Uh, I wanted to highlight that this, uh, what you're about to listen to, is our last episode for season five of the podcast. And I just wanted to thank two people uh, for that. Number one, I want to thank the Lord uh, for sustaining this ministry for five seasons. Praise God. Uh, I hope one day, ultimately, United We Pray doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and that's because I hope it's not necessary. Uh, but right now, we have worked to keep doing. So I want to thank the Lord for sustaining us in that work, because unless he builds the house, we labor in vain. Uh, the second person I want to thank uh, is just the United We Pray team. Jerry, uh, Josh, uh, and Austin have been putting in so much work. They have literally doubled uh, this ministry, if not quadrupled it. Uh, so check out the website, for instance. We have tons of articles now, uh, and we'll keep banging those out over the summer. We will take a summer break from the podcast, though we uh, usually leak a kind of summer special episode, so you can be on the lookout for that. Uh, but yeah, I just want to thank uh, not just this team, but my friends, uh, their family to me. Uh, I love them dearly, uh, and you should love them dearly if you at all benefit from this show. So just wanted to give that shout out. Uh, hope you enjoy the episode. Grace and peace. Here we go. Grace and Peace, you're listening to United We Pray, taking racial struggles to the throne of grace. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in a way that is biblical, beneficial, and clear. Friends, we want to be hopeful and helpful in our work. You can learn more about it at uwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. Isaac, how you doing, man? Uh, doing okay. I'm trying to not give you the honest answer. Doing well. Um, but I think it'll factor into something I just wanted to let our listeners know about. Uh, we have a time of lament. Austin, we were already planning this before the news about Ahmad Arbery. Um, but obviously a lot of people are lamenting in light of that. Um, but we have a time of lament, uh, just given these coronavirus days. Uh, I think it would be a good thing for us to remember one crucial thing we can always be doing, but especially be doing in these times, is praying. Uh, so that will be on May 20th, Lord willing. Uh, we'll have more details coming out, but I'm looking forward to that, man. So doing okay and looking forward to lamenting with you and others. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Heavy though it is. The way we do these episodes is one of us usually comes up with a topic, something we want to talk about, and then we'll kind of interview the other one as is. And I wanted to talk about liberty of conscience. That is an idea that keeps coming up in our articles yeah. and in our, our conversations. And I just wanted to do a dedicated episode on it. So Isaac, what is liberty of conscience? Yeah. I, I think when you're talking about the conscience, uh, because you know, you say it keeps coming up in our articles. I think it keeps coming up in scripture too. Uh, so I'm looking at Andy Nacelli and JD Crowley's book, Conscience, which the Beatty said, uh, is one of the most important books in the last 20 years for what that's worth. It's excellent. Uh, it is. And he gives the short definition on page 42. Uh, the conscience is your consciousness of what you believe is right and wrong. Conscience is your consciousness of what you believe is right and wrong. So your conscience, uh, is not infallible, like what Jiminy, despite what Jiminy Cricket says, um, it can be wrong and it can be educated. But that's what I, so that's what I would say, uh, simply is what it is. What about you, man? Yeah, I think that's a great definition of conscience. I think liberty of conscience is the specific idea that Christians 
shouldn't tell other Christians what to do beyond what the Bible has said. Agreed. And that play, and we need liberty of conscience and, and because uh, Scripture is not spoken exhaustively. God has not spoken exhaustively on everything, and because we can be wrong. Uh, and that's exactly why we need liberty of conscience, yeah. Yeah, this language of liberty of conscience, it, historically, I think, uh, it came out of sort of the Reformation. And in a lot of post-Reformation confessions of faith, you see this spelled out explicitly. And I wanted to read a quick definition, maybe not so quick. And it's, read it, it, excuse the old language, but I just, I thought this was really good. The 1689 confession says, God alone is Lord of the conscience and hath left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men, which are in any thing contrary to his word or not contained in it. There's that um, exhaustive idea you were talking about. So that to believe such doctrines or obey such commands out of conscience is to betray true liberty of conscience and the requiring of an implicit faith or an absolute and blind obedience is to destroy the liberty of conscience and reason also. That requiring others to do it is, it just undermines the whole thing. We can't command something God hasn't commanded. Exactly. We are not God. So is this just an idea that folks made up after the Reformation? Do we see this in Scripture? Uh, no, it is not an idea that folks just made up after the Reformation. Yes, we see it in Scripture. Uh, you know, um, Nicelli argues we see it at least 30, uh, 30 times, this word uh, appearing in Scripture. Uh, and it's an idea I would just, I think, kind of one of the paramount texts on this. Uh, and it's funny because the word's not even mentioned uh, per se, uh, but Romans 14 is just the classic text on this uh, where we're trying, where we're seeing. Uh, liberty of conscience and protecting conscience and why it matters for unity within the body and why it's so important uh, for that. Because if you don't respect this idea of liberty of conscience, you will have either uh, basically a cult of thought uh, where you all agree on things that the Bible never talks about, or you'll have a really dysfunctional and uh, disunified body. So that's what, that's what I would say. What about you, man, on scripture? Oh, I, I, I think you nailed it. I mean, Romans 14 is such a paradigmatic text. There's a couple others that I think are really interesting. The way um, Paul applies it to the Sabbath in Colossians, the way he talks about himself and his own mm. conscience and it being clear, but that not being the standard by which the Lord is going to judge him in 1 Corinthians. So yeah, there's a number. If you're looking for one place, Romans 14 is the place I would direct you. Yeah. But man, get to, so then like, why, why do you feel driven to talk about this? Because it is crucial for the work you and I do. And I think the work anyone wants to be doing when we're talking about race. So I want to, I want to call it out specifically because I think when you're trying to persuade somebody on a given topic, which is a lot of what we're trying to do with our articles, we're trying to inform and we're trying to give people a paradigm on how to think and without telling them explicitly what to think in every instance. So how can people dwell together in unity when they disagree? And I just feel like this year uh, is going to give us plenty of opportunities to disagree, whether that's politically or, you know, even just the different experience that somebody has when they watch a horrible video on the Internet, as we all you know recently have, or you know, something in response to coronavirus. We're going to have lots of opportunities to disagree with each other. And we need to give each other room to obey our different consciences. And if we don't, we put ourselves in God's place. So it do, does it mean we're not allowed to disagree, this, this idea of liberty of conscience? I don't think it does at all. I think we can still disagree 
meaningfully and disagree on important things. And I think we need to learn how to do that well. And we're not going to unless we give each other this room. Yeah, on that, I think it, it's precisely because we have consciences and differing consciences on different matters uh, that we can uh, disagree. And I like what Mike Reeves said in his book, Delighting in the Trinity. Um, he said he was reflecting on John 17 and he said, Jesus didn't pray that we'd all be the same, but that we'd all be one. Yes. I thought that was insightful, reflecting on Jesus's prayer. That's so good. Does liberty of conscience change what we need to agree on? Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see what you say about this. I would say yes. Uh, and here's what I mean. Uh, I think it means because of the reality of conscience and liberty of conscience, it means um, I think the answer is yes, because there are some things we can't disagree on and still be Christians. Completely agree. Right? Uh, so we can't disagree on the main tenets of the gospel. We can't disagree on uh, God being God and his triune nature. Uh, so I would say yes. And, and it gets exactly because there are things we can't disagree on and still be Christians, but there are things we can disagree on uh, and still be Christians, but we can't be in the same church. Right. Right. Either. I think it's a good idea to baptize babies or I don't. I think it's a biblical idea or I, or I don't. And that's going to affect the, the organization and structure and, running of of the congregation and then there are things we can still disagree on and still be in the same church but we can still disagree on them the nature of the end times is a classic example like you amillennialist pre-post pre-trib post-trip you know all these things that scripture is not clear on uh so in other words we have to do some theological triage uh is the language uh and gavin ortland just had a book called come out, I haven't read it yet, but finding the right hills to die on, a case for theological triage, because that's why we can, dis what we can and can't disagree on is really important. So I would say yes. What about you, man? Well, I, I agree with you and I agree with everything you said. And I just want to drill down into a real specific way this works. So you used a couple theological ideas and I, I agree with you. Um, but I want to look at one nuance, which is we can disagree or we can agree rather on the big picture and disagree on the particulars of it. Yes, definitely. So I think in something we need to agree on, okay, Christians need to agree racism is bad. 100%. And they will disagree on how it looks, how it or whether it exists in certain circumstances and what needs to be done about it. Yes, I'm just going to say Satan is having a field day by flopping the flipping those two priorities in our mind by thinking, okay, to to agree that racism is a bad is bad. You must agree on my specific understanding of policy, procedure, method of attacking it. And what happens is Chris, Satan's having a field day having Christians attack each other instead of attacking racism. Yeah, hundred percent. He's like, y'all go ahead and keep on. Yeah, so that's what I would say. But keep going. I interrupted. One thing we're trying to do in what we put out on this is giving people a framework to disagree, even as we try to persuade and inform, so that you you won't see on United We Pray um, really specific policy language, for example, on what we think needs to be done. We're trying to hang back right. and talk at the concept level, get specific when we need to, but give it to you as believers to sort out with each other and with the Holy Spirit um, what this looks like. 
Well, and the, and the reason I think that's important, one, is because, let's be honest, we're not experts on every category of education, food distribution, wealth distribution, all of these things. Uh, but more than that, uh, if I say this a, option A is the only way to fight racism, and you sincerely don't understand that in your conscience uh, to be the truth, well, then what I've done is is kind of hamstringed you in fighting racism when I think there's ways any Christian can fight and push back against racism uh, that I would want to see them doing. So we don't all have the same role on this, and that's wonderful because this monster has a million heads. And it's going to take a million. It's going to take a million different responses to get after it. Uh, so I'm I'm okay with talking about the thing on like let's see what we agree on as Christians uh, and work from there. Uh, so it's not to say there really might be. This, you know, option C is more wise than option Q. Uh, but I can't, the Bible does not say you must believe that necessarily. Uh, and so then we're in the realm of wisdom. Uh, but what I don't want is to create a kind of space where people think, uh, or kind of allowance uh, that, hey, because I'm not doing X, I'm not a faithful Christian. Because it's really easy to go from, this is what I think to this is what the Bible says, to you're not a Christian if you don't do it. Right. If only in our minds. And we just need to be so careful with that. And I appreciate the way you, you laid that out as a positive vision because this does not mean liberty of conscience as an idea and as a framework for how we relate to each other. It doesn't kill the hope for meaningful change. It doesn't mean that you're not trying to persuade somebody's mind. Correct. It just means that we're recognizing that we're not God. Right. Right. Well, let me ask you about a specific case study. And I wrote on this um, a couple weeks ago, but I wrote about whether or not we should read books by slaveholders. Because when I've heard that question put, I've always heard it argued either pro or con. Either we should read books by slaveholders or we shouldn't. And then here's why. And I took the cowardly middle way in my article and said, I think we should give each other room to decide that on our own. Was wh what was I doing there? Was I just waffling? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so, man. I think, um, look, I think no, I think it's a very good article. I wouldn't let you publish it if I didn't. Um, but I think it's a good article because, um, you know, it, there's a temptation to say we that someone someone must read this specific slaveholder because they are you know, whatever. So godly, they've, they've contributed all of this, um, thought, uh, thought to, you know, evangelical tradition, whatever it might be. Um, but someone in their conscience sincerely cannot get over, uh, that person's, uh, sin and reputation. And I think that person needs freedom to elect to not read that. But then that person can't turn around and say, you are no other Christian should read this. Now, we can get into, I mean, because what what happens if I'm a student and I'm studying this, this slaveholder, for instance, uh, and then you, you wisely get to the point of, it, you will need wisdom on whether or not it's wise and loving to go into certain contexts and be quoting this person uh, or to act. You will need wisdom so that you don't convey that you are lionizing this person as if they had no sin or as if the sin they committed in this instance, slaveholding is really not that bad. Uh, so, but if you only get to black and white, and I don't mean a pun there, uh, it's sin or it's not sin. Uh, and, and no one's saying that, but people act that way, right? Like to, to, to 
even listen to this person uh, is a sin. And that's just, you're really going to make it difficult, uh, one, on yourself to interact, but two, uh, to listen. So I, I've seen times where it was wise to go forward uh, or to, to learn from those kind of people and endorse them, and times it's not. And you, you just need to be careful in those realms. Uh, so I don't think you're waffling on it at all. Well, and even just the example you used shows how complicated sin stays complicating stuff, right? Like sin is forever making things more difficult and knotted for us. But you just mentioned a couple different scenarios of somebody reading for their own edification and study, somebody training in the context of, you know, a seminary class or somebody teaching from the pulpit. And in each of those scenarios, you've got to run this moral calculus. So this this is just an example of something which seems like a pretty innocuous question that gets really complicated and that is why we need to give each other room yeah i yeah i think that's the case and Nacelli brings out this example because i think this uh, what we're i just really want to be clear on what we're not saying austin with this liberty of conscience decision and it goes back to our consciences being are they're not infallible and he 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 talks about damaging our conscience and he explains uh, how you can sear your conscience. Uh, and he said, searing the conscience may explain why a generation ago in some parts of America, very strict churches were extremely careful about many minor issues that they perceived were right and wrong, dancing, playing cards, whatever. Uh, but the same churches also trained their deacons to guard the church doors and keep out blacks. Well, there we're dealing with a seared conscience, and it's really important to understand that liberty of conscience does not mean, oh, I get to think whatever I want and, hey, protect my liberty. Right, because a lot of racism has run rampant in the false name of that. And I just wanted to say that before we prayed. I think that's great. Let's do that. Let's go to the Lord and ask for wisdom on this. I'll go first. Amen. Father, thank you that you get to be God and we are not, that we don't have to have exhaustive wisdom about every issue. We don't have to tell other people what to think because you have laid out what you want us to have in your word. And you have given us the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we just pray that Christians would do this well, that we would do this well, that we would have humility to know um, to know the scriptures, first of all, and to know what um, not to bind others' consciences on. We pray that we would do this well in the content we make here at United We Pray. We pray that we would do this well in our churches. Um, and we pray that your churches would be more unified as a result. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we do pray. Um that we would uh, protect the freedom that Christ uh, has secured for us. Oh, Father, uh, I think of a pastor who said uh, that when he went to his church, uh, he thought his job would be to encourage his people to do what the Bible says, and how he was surprised that most of his job seemed to be taken up from keeping uh, the members from requiring things of one another that the Bible never requires. Lord, we want to respect the authority of Scripture yes, and realize how it is essential for our life as Christians. And we don't want to be flipping and treat other things as if, oh, we just have no need of them, Lord. We, As Austin just quoted from a, a confession that has helped uh, so many Christians throughout the centuries, Lord, is helping us now and shaping our conversation now. And yet, Lord, we, wa- we pray that you would give us wisdom to love our brothers and sisters, and not Lord what we understand to be right, but you've not been exactly clear about. Uh, we want to 
we want to respect that and love our brothers and sisters and not lord this over them. And Lord, we we also don't want to impugn anything on your word as if it isn't sufficient. It is. And Lord, we thank you for the differences that you've left us with so that we might figure out how to love one another. Would you help us to do that better? Oh Lord, in these hard pandemic days, in these days of Ahmad Arbery, oh Lord, we pray for help. Oh, Lord, we pray for healing in our consciences. We pray uh, that we would enjoy the freedom we have in Christ. And we pray that wherever our conscience falls, it would be clear against what is sin and that we would we would get after fighting sin in whatever way we understand our conscience to, put, to push us there. But, Lord, we pray that we would not have deadened consciences. But, Lord, we pray that we would respect the liberty of them. And we pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks for the time, brother. Stuff, homie. I want to, Austin, I want to commend your articles. Uh, if anything, uh, Austin picks amazing pictures for these articles, so you can go and enjoy that. Uh, but go read this Should I Read Books by Slaveholders piece. It should be in the show notes. Um, Austin just has, he, he is so good at writing these articles uh, because he respects conscience, and you will appreciate that in your piece uh, or in your reading of it uh, so that we can deal with the principles that we should be getting after uh, versus attacking each other. So I wanted to say that, homie. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you for that, brother. It's very nice. All right, y'all. Grace and peace. Oh, mm-hmm.